0: Blog Talk Radio. Copy. Contact save.org, S-A-V-A-E, or you can find them on Facebook. They do live shows, which would be amazing, and you can also listen to them on YouTube and or buy their CD on Amazon. And uh, today, uh, we're we're humble and sad to say that we are commemorating the victims and families of the Oklahoma bombings. It's a 20-year anniversary today, and we want to wish them peace and love and that their deaths were for some reason that we don't know and that they are also martyrs as if anybody else is. If people, to me, die like this, you know, they're martyrs for an unknown reason and all their souls go straight to heaven and God bless them and their families and we wish them peace and it's been 20 years, but it's something that we'll never forget. I want to say hi once again. I'm, I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sharma McCain, and I'd like to welcome this to sacred sunday you know sacred sunday was created just to focus on the tenet that sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus meditation and prayer all faiths are welcome i'm a christian in recovery and all bible readings will be out of the Restudy study bible because i found my first copy by the trash can and from then on i started studying my bible and uh eventually i ended up doing this and anyway you may use any bible you wish I've had many spiritual experiences, and sometimes I read out have a book that I'm writing, and hopefully it'll finish someday, God willing, and we um, reading gratitude. We have ongoing Bible uh, readings, and from there we read uh, little stories and stuff like that. So remember to call in and listen and also speak with me if you want to, 619-924-9744. On Sacred Sunday, there's every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Our opening prayer, let's say together Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And in the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Amen. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide and their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And it also seems that it's a new prejudice against Christians here at home and I have no idea why. And I think we should all be open-minded to other people and um, accept people just as they are, whatever religion are, whatever they look like, whatever. But I really believe that we should love rather than hate. We also pray for those lives were taken for distorted and evil reasons and they have become martyrs. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We also pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray that those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes and from freedom from addiction of all kinds we also have another person in mind that's in serious trouble right now. Please, God, help her. She's young and beautiful and doesn't know it. And I would say that has lethal codependency problems leading to up and to death. And please get her out of that realm, God. Please help her stand on her own two feet, return to sanity and off drugs and alcohol. We ask this in Jesus' name. Also, we also pray for... Chris Murray's mom, and she has just been diagnosed with terminal end-stage cancer. And we pray for Chris and all her siblings and also for her mom, who's in her 90s, and she's had a a really big, long life. And uh, please, we pray for her comfort and uh, that she has joy in you, Heavenly Father, towards her end. And please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil. From within and from without, protect them, us, and all all our angels. Protect everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. We pray for the wisdom of our president and all the rest of our policy makers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying all countries for problems with suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And everyone and their families are in our prayers today. And I want to thank you, God, for everything. Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, wish, I want to wish
0: all the birthday people happy birthday. And may you have a blessed birthday and have a very prosperous year ahead. And I only had like one birthday today, and uh, God bless you. And uh, for everybody that's having a special day today, just remember God loves you. And he knew the day you were born and that you'd be blessed. And I wish you a very healthy and happy prosperous year ahead. Okay, so uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can also uh, go to www.biblegateway.com or www.biblia.com to read along with us. You know, last week our uh, we were reading Romans chapter 14. And uh, now this week, of course, we're on chapter 15. So let me read the notes for uh, for last week. See here. Yeah. So last week, uh, here's the notes, and I want to thank S- www.shmoop uh, for their notes. They're they're kind of funny, but they're actually giving us a summary of uh, this like this uh, lecture from God. Anyway, see uh, Paul, there is more from our favorite lecturer. If people don't have strong faith, then by all means, invite them over, but just don't do it so you can start an argue- huge argument with them. Oh, sounds like Paul has been to a Thanksgiving dinner or two. <laughs> yeah. For example, some Christians will eat anything at all, even foods that other Christians consider unholy, like non-kosher foods or anything that's been sacrificed to the sacrifice of Roman gods. But it's silly to make a big deal out of what other people are eating. God is totally fine with all these eating practices, and you should be too. The same problem happens in the days of the week. Some people think one day is the best day to honor God, while other people don't care. So it's all fine. Eat what you're going to eat, honor God the way you honor him. It's really all okay. Look, it's not about us, Paul says. Jesus died and rose again. Do you really think he cares about who's right when it comes to what food you're eating? He's got bigger fish to fry, so to speak. So there's no reason to be passing judgment on each other because everyone is going to have to answer to Jesus one day. Okay, so let Jesus sort them out. Paul doesn't personally think that the foods that should be put in do not eat list But he won't fret over what other Christians do. Just trust in God. If you think God wants you to lay off the booze, then do it. If you think God is fine with you firing up some pork chops, then by all means. But really, Paul tells them, let's not destroy the kingdom of God over a couple of pieces of bacon. Okay? So that's what's going on. And I really appreciated that short but funny summary of last week. So, As we get our Bibles out, we're going to turn to Romans, chapter 15. Let me see here. Then we have only one more chapter, I think. Romans, this is uh, our last, next to last chapter. We only have one more chapter, then we're going to be done with Romans. So as you find your Bible... uh, We're reading Romans chapter 15. Do not imitate... Do... do. Excuse me, start all over again without whatever I was going to say. Do imitate Christ. Now we who are strong ought ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good and for his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, for it is written that the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For hmm. whatever was written earlier, in earlier times was written for your instruction, so that, so that through perseverance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that with one accord you may be one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ has accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers, and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written, Therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, And I will sing your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the people praise him. Again, Isaiah says, thou shalt become the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles have hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he's going to personal messages and benediction, Paul's plans. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself was also convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness and filled with all knowledge and able to also admonish one another. But I have written very boldly to you to some points, so as to remind you again because of the grace that is given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles and ministering as a priest to the gospel of God so that my offering to the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, and the power of the Spirit, So that from Jerusalem round about as far as Ilyarachium I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspire to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But it is written, They who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason I have often been prevented from coming to you. But now, with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had many years of longing to come to you, whenever I can go to Spain, for I hope that you can to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you, when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints, for Macedonia and Acadia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and we, they are indebted to them. And if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are also indebted to minister to them also in material things. Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by my way to you to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I urge you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who have disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So that was Paul Lev's letter. To some Romans, I'm pretty sure. So let's read what it is. Fifteen one. Paul counts himself among the strong, yet he gladly placed restrictions on his conduct for the sake of his witness. And then, by pointing to the example of Christ and quoting from uh, Psalms, Paul answers the question, "Why should I restrict myself?" A servant of circumcision, Christ ministered to his fellow Jews to confirm the promises made to Israel, and to Gentiles, so without covenants, received mercy from God. And this is all the quotations in these verses from Psalms, Deuteronomy, Psalms, and Isaiah are from the the, the LX version of the Old Testament and are cited to validate Christ's ministry to the Gentiles. And then the city I-L-L-Y-R-I-C-U-M, the area of the eastern shore of the Adriatic, extending from northeast Italy to Macedonia, the former nation of Yugoslavia. Can you imagine that that's where he was uh, traveling and preaching? And uh not where Christ was already named and where Christ was unknown. no there's uh, no more opportunity to preach Christ where he was unknown. Therefore Paul proposed to go to Spain, stopping in off in Rome on the way. So yeah, it was a letter to the Romans. Okay, so serving to take money that had been collected in Greece, and this fruit, the money that he collected, and Paul was aware of the difficulties that faced him in Jerusalem. So then we'll go on to next week, reading chapter 16. So it's very interesting that he's asking for funds and support, and that the the fruits of all the labor is that uh, Greece did make a contribution to his ministry, and uh, that he wants to see the Romans, he hasn't seen them yet, and that he would make his way back there, and uh, that's very interesting, and the more, you know, the more we read it, the more we we understand a little what's going on, and um, it's important because it's laying the foundation of what we're all living in today, and to think that, um, you know, he was traveling in the area, so that we just spoke of, is kind of amazing, he's going to Spain, and near where it was now, Yugoslavia. It's just, it's just kind of amazing to me. So now, uh, let's see, we're going to read out of, I don't know, I turned to this uh, Nicholas Effect, this story. I'm not sure if I read it before or not. Uh, it's by Margaret Green in Bodega Bay, California. Well, let's go ahead and read it and uh, we'll see what happens. So while touring southern Italy last summer, we visited an ancient Greek temple in Paestum. The children scampered up and down the worn steps. Taking my eyes off them, for a moment, I spotted four doves perched on top of a column. Two of the birds suddenly flew away, disappearing to the golden sky. Some day our children will be gone, too, I thought. Glad to be reminded how much I love my children, I gave seven-year-old Nicholas a big hug. Four-year-old Eleanor ran from the temple and let me hug her, too. It had been a dream trip, especially for Nicholas. Entran- entranced by the ancient history, he was thrilled to see the Ro- Ro- Roman Forum and Colosseum. How strange! That's where Peter's on his way to, Saint Paul, and the ruins of Pompeii. And now these beautiful temples. Recalling his mythology, he had announced in a mock serious voice, "The steps. I'm Zeus." And then, remembering how the Romans had referred to the same god, he ran to the Italian soil and said, "Now I'm Jupiter." We better be going, Reg, my husband, said, glancing at his watch. We headed back for a winter car. We planned to drive all night to the southern tip of Italy and make a ferry to Sicily. The sun had hung low and we finally got underway. Reg was behind the wheel and Nicholas and Eleanor settled against pillows in the back seat. Soon they dozed off and sometime after 10 a.m., so did I. Angry voices shouting in Italian woke me up, 11 o'clock 8 p.m. Something is going on, murmured Reg. A car was keeping pace with ours in a dark astro strata. From the passenger side, a man with a black bandana over his face pointed a gun in our direction, worried that we'd be at their mercy if we stopped. Reg floored the accelerator. There was a loud crack, and the back seat window shattered. I heard more angry shouts. It's too dangerous, dangerous to stop, he said. He pushed the car further. A moment later, another shot blasted his window, but now a gap was opening between the cars, and the attackers had dropped farther and farther behind. Cold night air was rushing in, and I unbuckled my seatbelt and leaned over to check on the children. Nicholas lay on his pillow, his eyes closed. He had always been a heavy sleeper, so I assumed that he was still dozing. Eleanor sat up, complaining, I'm cold, Mommy, relieved that both of them seemed unhurt and had slept through the worst of the ordeal. I brushed the granules of glass and covered my kids with extra clothes. Eleanor settled in her seat. I strained my eyes, looking for help, occasionally glancing into the back seat. Finally, we spotted flashing blue lights. Two police cars and an ambulance were stopped at the scene of an accident. We pulled over. An officer tried to wave us on, but Reg re- re- gestured to damaged car. As we opened the car door, a dome light glowed over the children, and I noticed that Nicholas's tongue was protruding slightly. Then I saw blood on his hair. Dear God, he's hurt as he cut from the glass. Trembling in fear, I moved closer and found a small bullet wound in his head. The officer yelled for the ambulance. A medic raced over and lifted Nicholas limp body to the ambulance. Ridge picked up our son's blanket, a small patch of sheepskin, and put it in the stretcher. If Nicholas woke up in a strange place, it would comfort him. As the ambulance headed towards the nearest hospital, I begged to follow, tried to explain to the officers what happened, and we still couldn't understand it ourselves. A young Italian man who had stopped his car when he saw the commotion translated for us. We would have to go to the station to take a report. And what about our son? Reaching to his coat pocket, our translator pulled out a string of blue plastic rosary beads. He kissed them and handed them to me. For you, I grasped the beads so tight it left indentations in my palm. When we arrived at the hospital, a swarm of medical personnel was standing around the ambulance. Nicholas would need special care, we were told, and they wanted to take them to the hospital to Messina, more than an hour away on the island of Sicily. We gave our approval, and made our report to a police station. I felt as dark as empty as the streets we were driving through. Escorted by police cars with flashing blue lights, we we were put on the ferry to Sicily. At Hospital in Messina, we could only view Nicholas from outside our window in our intensive care unit. The electrodes were patched to his forehead, and he is surrounded by wires, tubes, and hospital equipment. I hugged Eleanor close as the neurologist explained slowly and carefully. The bullet is logged in an area where it's impossible to operate. Your son is in a coma. All we can do is wait. As we were taken to the hotel, I longed for home. If this tragedy had happened here there, we would have had support from our family and friends. We would have had better able to understand what the doctors and nurses were telling us. The hotel lobby was empty except for a desk clerk, and we we rarely made our way to our room and tossed and turned for an hour or two. The next day, I felt as though we were living in another world. I tried to remain hopeful. When we were not sitting in the hard plastic chairs in the waiting room, we hovered helplessly by the hospital window or waited at the hotel for a phone call that would bring some news. I could be with Nicholas only once and then for five minutes. The doctor said I might be able to sit with him the next day, perhaps 20 minutes. But the following morning, the doctor ushered us to the conference room. The team of physicians looked brave. With the help of a translator, the head of the... intensive care unit explained that Nicholas's brain had died during the night. The respirator was the only thing keeping his small body going. He was gone. I held Ridge's hand barely able to comprehend this horrible truth and then where is there nothing we could do? Should we give his organs away? One of us said. You don't remember which one? Yes, we agreed. We would like to give his organs told the, to the doctor maybe this waste his death can make a difference, I thought. When we returned to the hotel, a crowd of people waited in the front desk. Some stepped aside, too shy to intrude, but wanting to comfort us. The hotel clerk gestured to one mother to wish to see us, and she turned to us with tear-stained face, and we hugged each other and cried. A perfect stranger, but she understood. We were flooded with kindness until we left Italy. And on the street in Messina, an old man pressed a stuffed animal to Eleanor's arms When I asked if I could bring some clothes for Nicholas's body, the head of the department store invited me to pick up anything I wanted to for free. I chose a blue blazer, gray slacks, and a tie with Goofy on it. The day I wanted to walk to Eleanor to get home some ice cream and the police drove us to the death spot in town and bought it himself. The president of Italy arranged for us to be flown in the Air Force jet, bringing Nicholas's body back home to California for burial we faced our loss all over again. Little things set me off, like going to the grocery store and grabbing Nicholas's favorite cereal. Or the day a package arrived in the mail with all his toys we had left behind in the rental car. Or when I opened his closet and saw the unicorn hat from his George Washington costume for Halloween, a costume he would never again wear. In the letters and telegrams keeping pouring in, newspapers and TV stations throughout Italy carried our story country grieved for the boy. I wrote stories and poems and towns, small and large, named streets and schools after him. We had been home for only a few months when we were invited to Italy for a ceremony honoring Nicholas. How can we go back, I wondered. How can we face the pain again? But I realized we had to go for his sake. The morning of the ceremony, Eleanor and Ridge and I got dressed in our hotel in Messina. We went to the lobby, and a beautiful young woman came over to us and introduced herself as Maria Pia Vidala. Only 19 years old, she had been near death when she received Nicholas's liver. She was alive thanks to our sons. Next, we met 40 year old Anna Marie D. Siligiglia. She had received one of our son's kidneys. At the ceremony, we greeted one after another the people whose lives had changed by Nicholas. There's an 11-year-old boy who had been on dialysis a year until he'd been given a new kidney. We met our school teacher and a salesman who had received a cornea from our son. We shook hands with a 30-year-old woman who had received cells from Nicholas's pancreas to help her produce insulin. The only one missing was a 15-year-old, Andrea Mangiardo, who was still recovering from a heart transplant operation. More important were those who had simply been affected by our story. An Italian specialist who told us he had done only one transplant every four months, but ever since our death, the number of organ donations had risen dramatically. Doctors said Nicholas had changed the entire country. Italy, which has been one of the lowest rates of organ donation in Europe, reported the willingness to donate up to 400% since Nicholas died and they called this the Nicholas Effect. Of course, I would have done anything to have my son back, but the fact is that his young life has such much, made much, such a difference and everything is overwhelming. the last day of our stay, after an exhaustive day of visits and speeches, we returned to our hotel at midnight, only to find a man insisted that Ridge come to disco with him. Two musicians had written a song about your son, and Ridge didn't have the heart to turn the man down. Filled with loud music and youngsters dancing, This could stop when Reg walked in. In silence, the two musicians started strumming guitars and singing a song. The only word Reg could understand was Nicholas. At the end, people erupted with cheers and hugs from my husband. Everybody wanted to give him their blessings. It was like a church Reg told me later. There was much love in the place, all because of a seven-year-old boy. I barely make it to that one. Let's close with our closing prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. God bless you for listening today. God bless you for the wonderful week ahead. And may God make you strong to face whatever is ahead, and we can do it together. Remember, you're never alone. I love you. Take care. Bye-bye.